Good morning and welcome to worship here this morning at the table. My name is Matt and along with Linda, we serve as the co-pastors. And for those of us that are here in person, I'll give us just a quick note that our heater is on top of the building here, the sanctuary, and it went from defrosting to, um, what is the, standby to now on. So it should be warming up. Um, if you know the person near to you, we invite you to snuggle. Um, if you don't, meet the person near to you and say hello. Um, um, Linda is happy. This, is, this feels like uh, she's actually warm. So I'm going to invite us to stand either in body or spirit, and our musicians will help us. Um, this is a, a version of Creator of the Stars of Night.
trust your belovedness. Let it be a protest, an act of resistance, a song of celebration. Trust your belovedness in a world that is rarely satisfied. Wear it like a badge of honor. Speak it as confidently as your last name. Tattoo it to your heart. When outside forces chip away at your sense of self, when life asks you to hand over the keys, remember the water. Remember creation. Remember how it was good, so very good. Let that truth hum through your veins. Sing it so loud that it drowns out the weariness of the world. For the bravest thing we can ever do is trust that we belong here. Darkness that we shine.
invite you to be seated and welcome again to the table at Central United Methodist Church. We are so grateful to be together in this new year in worship. For those that I haven't had an opportunity to meet yet, my name is Matt and along with Linda, we serve as the co-pastors and we're really grateful um, for this moment to be together with you all. We are looking forward. We're going to be traveling um, this afternoon with our musicians for uh, in the next couple of days. We're going to spend time in retreat together, doing some writing, some music writing, and then also some planning for worship in the year ahead. And so many of you have already had an opportunity to share your deep commitments, and we're so grateful for that. If you haven't had a chance yet to do that, we would invite you to do that today. It will help us as we go to dream about worship in the coming months to hear from each of you that are willing to take that brave step of sharing some of your hopes for the coming year. That um, is a conversation that helps us to imagine worship as we um, plan and move into this new year ahead together. For those that are online, we do not have an online host today. So you, you are now the host. Um, please introduce yourself to others. You're welcome to log in, and we hope you'll uh, make some connections there in that online platform. For those of us that are here in the sanctuary, you'll find, I hope, some QR codes along the end of the pews. If you'd like to see a bulletin and to kind of see where worship will head, um, you can find that by just using your phone to connect in that way. On our website, we have what we call a connect card. This is a way, if you're new to our community and you'd like to connect with others to learn a little bit more, we'd invite you to go to that site, uh, thetableumc.org, and to share uh, and fill out some of your information on that connect card. Pastor Linda and I teach together a six-week series that we call Growing in Faith. It's designed to help newcomers learn more about our community and connect with others. Um, to learn our process for sharing life together in what we call kitchen tables. Our next offering will begin on Tuesday, January the 30th, and I'll extend um, for six weeks. It'll be here at the table in the fireside room. We commend that to you if you would like to connect with others and learn a little bit more about going deeper in your own faith journey. Um, just two other quick things. One is that our community was um, phenomenally generous in our Christmas offering. It is over $12,000, almost $13,000 already. And so we um, are so grateful for that generosity that will go to the United Methodist Committee on Relief, their work particularly in Gaza, also in Israel, and then also right here in Sacramento to opening doors efforts to help welcome uh, families uh, who are coming with refugee status. We also made a gift of $5,000 to Habitat for Humanity's Build for Unity, and we now have our dates. And so instead of sending that out on the email, we wanted to share that in worship so that you could go to our website and just scroll down to Reaching in Love, and you'll see a way there that you could sign up for one of those uh, volunteer shifts with Habitat for Humanity, where we will join with, I think it's like 35 other communities of faith in the Sacramento area to help build homes for folks who will be living um, in a multi-faith space themselves. So if you would like to sign up for one of those shifts, we commend that to you. For those that have made your way all the way across the causeway, either from Davis or Woodland, we are going to start to do pop-up worship on a monthly basis out in Davis. And so just stay tuned to our website and email, and we'll do that in the next couple of weeks. We'll share more information about that, but later in January we'll be out there again, and we'll start to have pop-up worship on a monthly basis for now as we continue to to try to explore efforts for creating a new community out in that space. 
we're going to move into a new song. And so I think we should stand. Does that sound okay? Omar, does yeah. that feel like? We're going to stand. I'd invite you to stand in body or in spirit. Our musicians are going to teach this to us, and this will come back as we move in worship. This comes to us from Sweet Honey in the Rock. This is a song called We Are the Ones. Okay. This is not like a round like last time. It's more of a chant. So there are four parts. So you get to pick which one you want to be a part of. So we're gonna teach from the lowest to the highest, right? So um, for those of you who like to sing really low, you'll sing with me. And this is how the chant goes. One, two, three, four. We are the ones, we are the ones, we've been waiting. That's all. We are the ones, we are the ones, we've been waiting. Try it again. We are the ones, we are the ones, we've been waiting. We are the ones. We are the ones, we are the ones, we've been waiting. Great. The next part that comes in, we'll sing with Ariel. And it goes like this. One, two, three, and. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the ones we've been waiting for. That's it. We are the ones we've been waiting Keep for. Keep going into the other, the low part. We, we are, are the ones, we are the ones we've been waiting, we've been waiting, waiting for. You're going to join Hannah if you want. <laughs> Hannah's going to sing a little higher. One, two, three, and. We are the ones we've been waiting. Try. We are the ones we've been waiting. All the sopranos out there, this is your part. We are the ones we've been waiting. Try the other part. We, we are the ones. haven't found your part yet, this is the last one, so this is yours. And that's going to lead you on this one, and it goes like this. One, two, three, and. We are the ones, 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 we are the ones. We'll come back to that a little later. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Good morning, I'm Bob Martinez, and whether you're joining us in person on this chilly winter morning or online, welcome to the table. At this time, I want to invite our children to move from the sanctuary to their godly play sanctuaries as our musicians help us with some walking music. 
I want to remind families that we do receive an offering in Godly Play to support Mustard Seed School, which is a Montessori-based school for children who are part of families that unfortunately are experiencing homelessness. We also have loving and professional care for our youngest children in the A-frame throughout worship, and Godly Play takes place upstairs and is designed for children in elementary school, kinder through the sixth grade. Our reading this morning comes from the third chapter of Luke, and I'll be sharing from the New Revised Standard Version, and we invite you to follow along. Don't blink or you will miss it. <laughs> now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my child, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Good morning. My name is Debbie Edgar. Generally, when I'm up here on this side of the microphone, I'm either bringing you a message from the administrative board or sharing scripture before a message from our pastors. Today, there are four of us sharing our stories about how we're experiencing our own belovedness and how we are experiencing God's call in our lives at this time. As I was reflecting on what I wanted to share with you this morning, I spent quite a bit of time trying to decide where to start the story. After rejecting many starting places and several awkward openings, up to and including once upon a time in a land far, far away, I decided to use a time a little over a year ago as the beginning of my reflection this morning. As far as I can remember, it was just another work day in the middle of an ordinary work week, but what made it different was that I couldn't escape this gnawing feeling that I was leading a life that just wasn't suited to me anymore. That probably sounds a little bit dramatic, but really I found myself continuing to ask the question, is this all there is? And the question became heavier and heavier, and that gnawing feeling just wouldn't go away. And finally the question became so weighty that I found myself in tears on most days. At one point the question became so heavy that I remember thinking, and maybe I even said it out loud, I just can't do this anymore. And the interesting thing is, I'm not sure even now, I know exactly what I meant when I said this. What is the this I just can't do anymore? But in that moment, something from a place so deep within me, it didn't even feel like myself, simply and very calmly said, then stop. And I remember sort of looking around because even though the voice I heard was my own, it felt like something more, and it caught me off guard. And what was I going to stop, exactly? And do what, instead? And that moment is probably the closest I've ever been to feeling like God was calling me. And quite honestly, I found it rather unspecific. And that was a little bit annoying, because <laughs> it seems to me, if you're going to find yourself in the middle of a defining moment, shouldn't it come with an action plan or maybe a to-do list? I haven't 
actually shared that story with anyone before. And I still don't have an action plan. But after some deep reflection, what I realized was that God was inviting me to chart a new course for my life and use my spiritual gifts, whatever they may be, in a way that felt more in line with my truest self. So my first stop on the way was to sign up for a class at the Bread of Life Center, which is here in Sacramento, called Listen to Your Life. The Listen to Your Life class is a six-month class, which is described as an opportunity to discover new dimensions about who you are and how you can respond to the call of God. That felt appropriate. I started the program last year in February. The Listen to Your Life course is designed to stand on its own, but it's also the prerequisite course for the Bread of Life spiritual director training. Spiritual directors are folks that are trained in contemplative practices and journey with others to discern God's presence and grace in their own lives. Throughout my time in the Listen to Your Life class, the instructors would periodically check in with us and ask if we were considering becoming a spiritual director. My answer was always, no, not interested. Even going into the final weekend of the course, my answer was no. Each of us had one-on-one -on -one meeting with our mentor, and he asked me again, are you thinking about becoming a spiritual director? No, I don't think so. But by the end of the weekend, I felt my answer changing to maybe. So when I got home, I emailed my mentor and I asked if it was too late to change my mind. He said no, so I applied to the program, I got accepted, and I start my internship in March. Meanwhile, as my Listen to Your Life course was coming to a close, I felt drawn to look around for another class I could take, and I stumbled on a class at Union Theological Seminary called the Encore Transitions Program. The program is designed to provide spiritual guidance for people looking to transition to work in social justice in what they call an Encore Chapter. An Encore Chapter is simply a time in life when the work of the first part of your life no longer fits. It was fabulous. One of the best things about the class was discovering I'm not alone. There are people doing Encore chapters all over the place, and it feels helpful to hear their stories and to see how their Encores have taken shape. One of my biggest takeaways from the course was simply that it's never too late to start something new. One of the books we read in the Encore class was Joan Chittister's The Gift of Years. She's a nun, a writer, a speaker, an activist. In the book, she speaks about work that can only be done as we age. I've held on to her wisdom as I journey forward, mostly curious if there's work I'm meant to do, but I just wasn't able to do it until this season of my life. At about that same time I was starting the Encore program, our pastors invited me to join Kara, Sarnit, and Spencer in their ministry discernment group. I wasn't sure about it, but Pastor Linda said something that has stayed with me. She said, sometimes the spirit draws us forward, even when we don't feel ready. At the charge conference last month, all of us were affirmed to move forward to continue in discussions about what our ministries might look like. Now, I suppose you all are wondering what any of this has to do with belovedness. And as I was writing this, I wondered about that too. I kept asking myself, how am I going to land this plane? And then, <laughs> and then a newsletter popped into my inbox, and the newsletter is called Illuminate, and the author is an Irish pastor living in Michigan, and she was reflecting on today's scripture passage. In the newsletter, she said, 
that before Jesus did anything, he was God's beloved. In other words, everything begins with belovedness. And it made me think about being a spiritual director and how the contemplative practices all lead us back to that beginning place of belovedness. The writer Anne Lamott often says grace bats last. What that means to me is that grace is a beautiful ribbon that wraps a package full of hope and joy, reconciliation, awe, mercy, peace, justice. And if grace bats last, it's belovedness that bats first. So maybe that's my work to do in this encore season of my life, sitting with others, holding space, helping them to connect back to their own belovedness and to connect to the belovedness in each other. And somehow, resting in our belovedness seems like a good place to start. Thank you. We are the ones, we are the ones we've been waiting. We are the ones, we are the ones we've been waiting. When I was 20 years old, a kind-hearted visionary named Rick Sessoms presented me with an opportunity. Much like John the Baptist, Rick invited me to step into the river. I was in my junior year at a small private Christian university, and Rick, the vice president of the newly formed Office of Spiritual Formation, was the imagineer of a student-led worship movement that would sweep the campus over the next decade. Stepping into the river, I said yes to an internship and began to dream of change. This was the mid-90s before social media, so the first thing I did was write a letter on a physical piece of paper extending the invitation to my peers to imagine worship services with student-led music teams. I mailed this invitation to 400 or so students, and to my surprise, 125 of them said yes. Rick and another mentor, Murray Evans, would join me and the students on a worship planning retreat at the start of the school year. I'd worked in the admissions department under Murray's leadership during the previous school year. Murray served as the vice president for marketing and enrollment at the university. And like Rick, he believed the future of the school and the church were quite literally at stake. So he challenged the institution's notions about the role of the student in our community. Murray understood that current students were best positioned to tell the story of what God was doing on our campus. And so he hired students to be admissions counselors, not campus tour guides, admissions counselors. The future of the university's enrollment 
was in the hands of students. Rick, Murray, and I met those 125 student volunteers in the dorm parking lot on a September day to leave for the retreat. We packed students like sardines into every single van in the school's fleet and then looked around at the remaining crowd to see who would volunteer their car because I had never imagined that all 125 students would actually show up. Looking back, I think they came because they'd been given an invitation to belong, to be part of the conversation, and to be welcomed at the table. News about the student-led worship movement began to spread, and the school doubled in size throughout the next couple of years. We didn't have a chapel, so we rented a tent to hold our growing community during worship. Rick's wife, Tina Sessoms, was a dynamic leader in her own right, but in that time and place, there was no formal role for her on our campus. Still, she offered mentorship and time, critical insights and support, and the work could not have been done without her. Like the tent that housed our worship services, keeping the sun off our backs and the rain off our heads, Rick, Tina, and Murray would shelter the dreams that were unfolding in each of us in the burgeoning community of faith. Upon graduation, two young women, myself included, and two young men were hired to start a justice-centered, missionally-focused spiritual formation program. Rick didn't have a budget to hire me to coordinate the chapel program, but he did have a line item to hire an administrative assistant. So he offered me a job, a job he had to convince me to take. And then he humbly typed his own correspondence for the next four years so that I could continue to be part of this tender new thing that was taking place in our chapel program and within me. He met with me weekly to listen, guide, and coach. Both the young men who were hired are now pastoring churches. Neither I nor the other young woman, my dear friend, Sabrina Lively, are serving in an ordained capacity today. I would learn that when Rick offered me the internship, he'd had to fight pretty hard to make it happen. The denomination we were a part of was wrestling with the role of women in ministry, and there were safer choices he could have made. I'm not sure what he saw in me that made him fight so hard but I think it is the equivalent of the heavens opening and a voice saying, this is my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Over the next decade though, I would doubt my belovedness and a call to ministry. It seemed there was no place for me in the male dominated hierarchy within the denomination. One day over lunch, Rick shared his fear with me and Sabrina that our denomination wouldn't be able to change quickly enough for either of us to find a place of leadership within it. Sadly, he was right. Over time, I stopped trying to be all the things I had to be to fit into the patriarchal world of church ministry and found a professional home in the field of education. The university where I was shaped into the person I am today under the mentorship of these servant leaders has since seen a decline in enrollment like many religious organizations around the country, and not unlike what we see happening in mainline churches today. I wonder if anyone is even inviting young people to step into the river these days, or if we've grown content with the status quo. More often, I think we're sitting on the sidelines 
scratching our heads wondering why the young people don't come to church anymore. Even in a vibrant, growing, progressive community like the table, youth and young adults are markedly missing from the pews. Being progressive doesn't translate into pews filled by those under 25. It is worth noting, though, that our youth show up when given the opportunity to connect their passions to the ways the Spirit is moving in the world. We are making space for this, for this innovative work through Table Farm and the Table Farm Fellowship as we invite high school students to wonder about environmental justice and sustainable agriculture in relationship with land and neighbor in a paid six-week fellowship. This is a step in the right direction, but quite frankly, it isn't enough. Three times since the start of the school year, a colleague or friend has come to me heartbroken by the news of a youth or young adult suicide or overdose. And we cry together. We grieve. We wonder why. We wonder how this will ever get any better. Something in the discourse of what it means to be a young person today has to change, and we cannot afford to wait. In the longer version of the biblical text we find ourselves in this week, it is John the Baptist who prepares the way for Jesus to arrive on the scene. I want to audition for the role of John the Baptist in this story. The one who clears the way so that those whose moment it is to step into the river and hear their belovedness proclaimed, those who do not believe that they belong or have not been welcomed can experience the reality that they indeed are the source of God's joy and delight. To everyone of any age who was ever told they didn't belong, whether explicitly or implied, to my LGBTQ friends and the generation of young people who've stopped coming to church, to the doubters and questioners of faith, to the women who thought they had to fundamentally change who they are to be accepted, I want to emphatically say, you belong here. You are beloved. Belovedness and belonging are inextricably intertwined. Trust in your belovedness. Belovedness isn't even a real word. It's not in the dictionary. It's what you get when you combine the prefix be with the root word love and the suffix ness. It describes what it's like to live in the state or condition of being dearly loved. Oh my gosh, we needed someone to invent a word that conveys that it's possible to live in that state. So here I am asking, what words might we need to invent so that our youth and young adults see themselves in the work that God is doing today? What tents might we need to erect to make space for and shelter their fragile dreams? Where might the Spirit be leading us to create something new so that our youth know they belong and can experience their belovedness? It's not too late. We only have to be willing to listen 
to disrupt our plans, to advocate and to learn. Let it be me who is willing. And if I might be so bold, let it be you who is willing. Let it be us, the church, who are willing. Amen. We are the ones, we are the ones we've been waiting. We are the ones, we are the ones we've been waiting. We are the ones we've been waiting for. 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 We are the ones It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Kara, and thank you, Spencer. <laughs> Whew, trusting in my belovedness, which for crying out loud, I was not able to pronounce that word. It was so hard for me. And I was actually looking for it in the dictionary. <laughs> Couldn't find it. <laughs> I had, prior to preparing for this, I had so many emotions that were entwined. And I had so many ideas what to share. Um, and then I was like, heck, I have, a, I have a story which some of you might have heard. And this is me moving from Fiji to here. And I wanted to share that piece where I really felt God's amazing love, I would say. And, and I came with a lot of pictures and videos, not a lot, but just for you all to see. Uh, 2019 was the first time I found out that I won DB Lottery. Um, DB Lottery, and most people more don't know, it's a lottery system that allows small nations to come to US as a resident and to increase the diversity pool in US. Um, this process does take an year. So 20, 20 March, <laughs> during COVID, I found out that now I actually have the DB lottery visa stamped on my passport. 
even though I had so many, un even though I had the diversity visa on my hand, I had so many uncertainties. And. That video I took um, stayed after, like, to change my look. The reason I was, I was so confused what to do, because it was during pandemic and I was really scared, worried, truly messy, but I was excited, happy, overwhelmed. I really, really wanted to do this, but I had so many problems on the way. I mean, the whole world closed up. The, the flights were so expensive. I lost my passport. The one that was initially stamped on it, I lost it. And I was like, what is happening? And Fiji was on curfew, so there was no cars from 6 p.m. till 3 a.m. And we stayed in our own bubble. And luckily, I lived near a beach and I would drive there alone and, and enjoy God's creation. On one such day, I, I couldn't hold my tears. Because prior to this, I was, I was really lost. I didn't take that, I, I haven't taken a video or a picture of that moment, but I still remember. I was truly lost. Um, I was, at that moment, I was hurt from churches in Fiji. I was hurt from people around me. I didn't know what to do. And that's when I heard my calling. That's, um, my calling was, hold on, trust. Keep going. Move. You'll, you'll be better. You'll, you'll be in a good state. So this is a picture with my father um, hugging while I was on my way to airport. This is my, the second picture is with my grandmother and my aunt. Um, and this was before the flight. So, this is a picture with my friends. <laughs> my goodbye cake and their love showing. And this is a picture with my previous co-workers. Um, I said goodbye, goodbye to my family, my friends, wonderful co-workers, and took this leap, leap of faith. One thing was constant. I kept praying. I kept praying for God's intervention in my life. 
I kept asking God to take me to a place where I will grow. In faith, I kept trusting God's love and God's wonder. January 7th, 2021, I flew from Fiji and landed on the same day at Sacramento Airport. And this is a picture my friend took when I landed. I was fully covered head to toe. I was scared. I really didn't want to cry, but I was really damn scared, but I was excited. And here I am at the table. To, to give context, that song is so beautiful. It's about God is taking you somewhere, somewhere unknown. And that was my landing, my first trip to the SFO, my first overpass walkway, my first birthday celebration in US, and my first time seeing snow. <laughs> my call right now, as I see God's plan unfolding, stepping into ministry, is like a leap of faith towards healing myself, the world around me, and bringing hope and bringing trust in God. We are the ones, we are the ones we've been waiting. We are the ones, we are the ones we've been waiting. We are the ones. single word that resonates so beautifully when lived to the fullest. Love has been at the core of my life, weaving the layers of my experience on this wonderful earth. I have learned that by giving love, you receive so much in return. This giving of love in my life has enriched it by tenfold, 
a similar lesson learned in the gospel of Jesus' ministry. Love is what first drew me to the table and what made me so curious about learning more about faith. When I was exposed to the serene and welcoming space here, I learned that love is still at the heart and center of the church. These experiences showed me there are people gathering every day, wherever they may be, who love and practice care and giving to those most needing. My life experiences, the time spent at this church, and my yearning desire to love, all those who I encounter have inspired me to carve a path towards ministry. Thinking upon my decision to go into ministry, I now see that my life has been leading up to these moments. It is without a doubt a beautiful love story with God's guiding hand. I have shared in so much joy in my life, but also intense personal struggles and doubts. I am proud to say that I am a lover, but also a fighter. One who has known the weighty ups and downs of mental illness I have been at rock bottom, but through that journey down, I have bounced back numerous times, each time making me that much more resilient. The most enjoyable and intrinsically rewarding part of this has been the growth of my soul. I have learned to broaden my empathy and understand individuals for the most complex and endearing parts of their souls. I have learned that each of us has a story, and we all strive to be understood for what makes us human. We are looking for that beauty and unwavering and unconditional love. This love has shown itself in the teachings and life of Jesus, the prodigal son who wanted nothing more than to share in the love that made him whole. He who has reflected in all the beauty and transcendence of creation looked to teach and nurture all those around him and on earth that God's love is truly for all. I want to bring forth this life and love like so many before me into the hearts and minds of those I encounter over the course of my ministry. I truly believe in the uniqueness and beauty that all of us have within ourselves. I so wish and plan to create and nurture a space like the table, which is accepting of all who come through the doors. In a world that sometimes can feel lost and void of feeling, we need love and acceptance. This, I believe, is something a community of faith so fervently draws from. It feeds its family members' souls with the enriching life of love and hope. As a future shepherd to a community of faith, I am so overjoyed with the responsibility to care and help feed. 
As we look this week at the baptism of Jesus, I come away knowing that as Jesus was at peace in those waters, so am I with the call to lead and heal a world, a world in which love is not ever truly lost, but evident all around us. A love that is revealed through the connection we share with others and the common bond that we're all here to make this place we call home heaven on earth. A heaven that is truly in the making an image of a begotten son who only believed love to be at the core of our very being. Our work is never truly done here. We must always come away with the knowledge and faith that we are here for a divine purpose, a purpose in which we are always improving upon ourselves and the lives that surround us in fantastic and awe-inspiring moments of connection. We must not limit ourselves in the ways in which we give love, instead setting a bar that always rises and never ceases to amaze. These are the ways in which I want to carry out my calling, forever driven by the desire to change and love. Amen. what I'm going to invite us to do is we're going to move um, from these stunningly beautiful reflections, um, trusting that just as these four individuals had their hearts stirred over these last months and years, that there are folks among us now that are feeling our own hearts stirred. And so we're going to uh, come to the table and we're going to be in a time of prayer. And so the way we'll do this is, is to first share together a collective um, acknowledgement that we fall short of loving in the way God longs for us to love. And then to hear that God's belovedness stays with us um, in that place. And then we'll come to the table and there'll be words here for us. We call them star words. And we'll invite you to either come forward here or in the back and to take one of those words with you and to be in a spirit of prayer as we do that, as we all discern the next steps that God might be inviting us to take. So I invite you to stand in body or in spirit and to first share together these words of confession, what the church calls a prayer of confession. Loving God, from the very beginning, you breathed life into us and called us good. However, somewhere along the way, we replaced good with not enough. Somewhere along the way, we turned the volume up on that phrase and began to doubt our own self-worth. Forgive us, for this is not what you have taught us. For when the world tells us we are not enough, you call us beloved. Show us how to return to that truth. Show us how to let go of our weariness and rest in that good news. Amen. Our story begins, family, with belovedness. Even when we lose our way, even if we stumble and fall, God does not stop. 
God does not stop breaking through to claim us. We are known, we are forgiven, we are beloved. Thanks be to God. Let's say amen. I invite us um, into the call and response that is the church's practice for recognizing the belovedness in each and every neighbor around us. Friends, may the peace of Christ be with you. And we invite you to turn and just to share a symbol of that peace with those around you. Loving God, may you pour your spirit upon each of us gathered in this moment and over this bread and this cup. Make these gifts your body and your love and make us through them your love and life alive in the world. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. <laughs> when we say everyone is welcome at God's table, we mean everyone, everyone. Matt already shared with you all that there are star words, words for the uh, year ahead. And we have them face down, so you don't get to pick them. <laughs> and I'm happy, uh, mine says time. Is that amazing? Matt's his empathy. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this year. <laughs> Yes. I love you don't you. have to share yours with everyone, right. even though she just <laughs> shared mine. I just outed you. I'm sorry, not sorry. <laughs> here at the table, we share this meal <clears throat> for everyone here at the front and in the back, but the star words are just up here, so you can make your way. On the platter is bread that was baked for us, and there's also a dish that has um, gluten-free crackers. In the cup is always juice. <clears throat> we want you to know that as we move around in God's divine dance here together, there's nothing you can do to make a mistake. We are in this together. We are grateful for this time. We know we went a little over. So um, we are grateful for our witnesses. They are beautiful, and we are blessed as a community of faith to be in this meal together. So friends, this is the body of Christ and the bread of life broken for you and God's forgiveness and love poured out for the whole world.
We encourage those who are praying with candles to stay for as long as you desire in that spirit of prayer. For those that haven't had an opportunity, you're welcome to come now or as worship closes to select one of the star words for the coming year. For those that are with us online, if you'll email Pastor Linda at lynda at the table umc.org, as you saw on the screen, we will make sure you have a star word as well. So God, may the depth of your love bind us together in this moment and send us into the world as expressions of your healing, your love, and your peace now and always. Amen. Not all of us feel as brave to come right up, so you are welcome to do that as I'm sharing. I encourage that, and um, you're welcome to do that as soon as we go out from this space as well. Many of us, as we shared earlier, have made deep commitments, and for those, we would love for you to reflect on what is God stirring within your own life right now, and to share some of that through your deep commitment. Um, many of us make a commitment, or part of our commitment is giving generously of our own resources to help our community align with God's movement and spirit 
Spirit in the world. And we are so grateful for the phenomenal gifts. This is our 13th year in a row. We finished 2023 with our 13th consecutive year of growth in generosity and giving as a community, which is a really amazing um, expression of how God is moving in our lives. And so it is with the deepest of gratitude for the ways that you all show up and give so generously um, in and through the ministries of this community. Our Christmas offering will be online for today, and then we'll take that offline. So if you'd like to give to that, please do so um, today. And our musicians are going to send us out to this little light of mine. I invite you to stand in body or spirit. to maybe take a few moments and connect with those right around you. The word that you have selected or that you might come and be drawn to in this moment to share a little bit about that with those around you in this space. May we go from this place trusting that God looks upon you. God looks upon you. God looks upon you and is pleased. You are God's beloved. Go in peace. Amen. Shine, shine, shine. 